Hey guys, alrighty. So we are back with our interviewing tip series. Um, part one, we talked a lot about researching, the power of researching. We talked about um, questions that you can ask your recruiter, questions that you can ask your manager, um, and you're looking for opportunities to, you know, really learn more about the job, learn more about the role, and then understand the process. Um, what I would like to also add about your um, when you touch base with your recruiter really quickly and then we'll move to part two is when you get the names of the people that you're going to be interviewing dun 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 or interviewing with um, remember that you have LinkedIn at your fingertips and so um, one of the things that I have done before and it has worked is go on LinkedIn and look at look at what uh, look at a couple things first get to know the person their face their history what have they done um read their bio right so most people you'll be able to find on linkedin um if you can't find them on linkedin it's fine um i wouldn't say facebook i mean some people do facebook i think that's a tad bit personal and i'd be kind of irritated if someone checked my facebook um but again it's 2021 and people will check your facebook so um, make sure that your own images are clean and your linkedin is appropriate because um, more than likely they're going to look you up to your hiring manager or your teammates or whoever. Um, they're not, quote unquote, supposed to use that information for or against you. But, you know, people are people. So, again, just making sure you're not giving anybody a reason not to hire you by things that you're posting um, or just make your page private but definitely leverage once you um, get your invite from your recruiter, once you um, get the name of who you're interviewing with. So please remember to get the name of the person. Um, feel free to kind of just, you know, lightly look around. Um, and so particularly one of the things that I think is important and that I have found value in is reading their, their bio because you learn what kind of leader they are, some passions that they have, things that they like. And then the second thing that I found useful is looking at their activity, right? And so when you look on their activity, of course, they're clicking things that they quote unquote like. And so if I, well, I'll give you my example. Um, I was actually interviewing for the Kelly Clarkson show. Yay! I got the actual position um, and it was a part of a series that Kelly Clarkson was doing at the time and then the series got nixed. And so um, I had an interview with the producer. The producer had found me from our LinkedIn that we had did our George Floyd, um, I won't say protest, but our George Floyd gathering and um he you know he was really enamored by a lot of the stuff that we were doing and so he went to the website he said the website was laid out really under well he could understand what our purpose was and he wanted to learn more and so he sent an email and he was like hey um you know let's let's connect um about a new series that we're rolling out you know highlighting black women and highlighting healthcare professionals and i thought it was absolutely awesome right but I was shaking in my boots because I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? Um, and it's just nerves, you know. But um, what I did was I was able to look on his LinkedIn 
And I was able to see what kind of stories inspired him, right? And so he really enjoyed um, these stories about people who were helping other people and who had come up and who were making a name for themselves. And, you know, a lot of shows, a lot of media tries to exploit people. And I really appreciated that, you know, what he seemed to be drawn to was stories of just genuine come up, right? Like genuine come up, genuine community, um, you know, and so I appreciated that. And I noted that in the back of my head. And so um, when we were having a conversation, I was like, hey, you know, I really want to. Oh, second thing I did was I looked at some of the shows that he produced over the span um, in, in his career, and they all kind of followed the same track. And so when we spoke um, after I did the interview, I had to like submit all of these things. It was series of videos and a bunch of stuff. Um, I definitely when I closed it out, I was like, you know, um, in either way, just thank you for the work that you're doing and the type of work that you're doing and the type of content that you're producing. Um, and I just kind of discussed what it meant to me. And he was like, thank you. No, you know, thank you. Like it was a genuine kind of thank you. Um, for recognizing that. And so I think wherever we're at in our careers and interviewing and, you know, people are people, right? And we want to be seen for the work that we're doing and we want to, you know, hopefully do good work. And so um, as you guys are getting into alignment with what job works best for you, what career is best for you, what team, what company, you know, using technology purposefully like LinkedIn, um, you do get to glean insight about people and you get to glean, um, you know, just kind of a, a better understanding of what to expect. And so, um, you know, it's it's definitely worthwhile to just take a look. Again, don't judge people, right? Like, look, I'm sounding all. Don't judge people. Of course, we're going to have our opinions about people. But, um, you know, if you're genuinely looking for a good community or a good company, um, at least approach it with an open mind. So um, that was something that I definitely thought about when I finished the last episode is just making sure that you guys can tap into technology at your fingertips and utilize that to leverage um, leverage your interview. So um, again, our last episode, we talked about research. Today, we're going to talk about review. Definitely make sure you get those names and review some profiles um, and just kind of get a better understanding of how you can connect during your interview. So as we review, so this is going to be our, our thing for today, review, 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 review. So you've researched um, the role, you've talked to the recruiter, you understand the salary, you, you know the process, you know kind of the technical things. This is more of the soft skills, personality, qualification things that you want to make sure you're in line with. So when you are reviewing, the first thing you're going to review is your resume, right? You're going to review yourself, right? And so you're going to review yourself through the lens of the hiring manager. And this to me, 
I, I genuinely think this is a lot of our biggest mistake, right? Is that we're showing up as ourselves, which is great, be authentic. But what what is this person looking for? What is a hiring manager looking for? And so you've talked to the recruiter and you understand that this role has been open for six months and the team is, you know, maybe she didn't say short staff, but they're highly motivated to hire within the next whatever. Um, or maybe it's really competitive and you're um, interviewing for a residency that has a thousand applicants and only 50 spots, you know, whatever it is, you understand the context of you being hired. So now you need to look at your resume and say, okay, what is going to make me hire Susie Q, right? And so I'm going to say, all right, Susie Q, you're going to start from the beginning of your resume. And if someone didn't know you, does your resume tell a story, a good story, right? Because remember, I said interviewing and resumes is about telling your story. It's about, you know, capturing the interest of someone. So what do they know about you? Alrighty. So you're highly educated. Um, One of the things that I advocate for with resumes is I flip where certain information is depending on the role. If I'm going for a role and I'm looking to do adjunct teaching, I'm going to put at the top that I have this certification in education, nursing education. I'm going to put that I have my bachelor's. I'm going to put that I have an MBA because you need to be master's prepared to teach. Um, I'm going to put what someone who is an educator is looking for in another educator. But if I am going for more management operations or something more business related, I'm going to put my Lean Six Sigma at the top of my education and I'm going to put my MBA at the top of my education and I'm going to put my project management experience. So you really want to, um, again, your resume just sets the tone for the interview um, and it sets sets the tone for how they're going to see you. So just remember Yes, things have to be in chronological order and, you know, the most present at the top. But you also want to make sure that you are laying out things that you do have control over in a way that um, people receive it well. Um, So make sure that you're reviewing that resume through your lens of a actual manager and you're asking yourself, what are some gaps? Right. And so um, if I'm going for an education position and, and usually my biggest challenge is switching from education to more business related roles. Um, but if I'm going for a more business related role, I can have I usually have I have more than one resume, but my education resume highlights curriculum. It highlights um, programs that I've developed. It highlights in services and ways that uh, you can deliver education. Business one, it talks more about how many people I deliver education to. It talks about how long it took me to create something. It talks about how much money was saved from a program that was created or from an in-service that was created. So understanding what that manager is looking for from you. And again, take this as heavy or as light as you need. If it's just a nursing job, baby, just put down, you know, your nursing duties. But if this is a, if you're going from ortho to cath lab, or, um, you know, if you're making a really big jump, you're going to have to lay out, you know, what are some things that cath lab does that I've done in ortho? Let me put those skills down. Maybe traction isn't what they did, but I have experience with um, complex or complicated equipment 
right? I think there's some complicated equipment in Calf Lab and some things I don't know about. But guess what? Ortho has a lot of complicated equipment. I know because I was an ortho nurse. You got to be able to assemble it fairly quickly. You have to know how to use it so you don't harm the patient. So if I'm making a jump from ortho to cath lab and they may have a concern about my ability to learn or work with new um, equipment that impacts the patient's life. Well, hey, I got experience in that. So it's really, again, I talk about interviews are how you sell yourself. It's really about how you sell yourself and how you highlight your skills. Um, so again, take it as heavy or as light as you need to, but you want to kind of put that lens on of what what is the role that I'm in right now or that I'm looking to be in and what do they need? Another way that this comes up is when we're answering questions. And so we're going to move into second part, which is most jobs use a star behavior question pattern. So if you've never heard of star questions, you need to look them up because nursing is heavy on star questions. Most industries are, but it just depends. Um, you know, technical or technology questions are very different than, than our behavioral questions. But because we are hospitality and customer service oriented, we are going to be using a STAR method majority of the time. Um, so your STAR method includes S is for situation, T is for task, A is for action, and R is for result. Star. So whenever you are telling a story and I will be working with my girls and we will be doing interview prep and I'll be like, all right, tell me about a time that you were... Um, you had a conflict and how did you resolve it? And they will tell me this like 10 minute story. And I'll be on the phone like, ma'am, what happened? I'm so confused. Right. And we tend to do that. We tend to interview off the top of our head. I am an interview off the top of my head person. And you may have so much experience and so much knowledge and you like, oh, I got this. I have complicated patients all the time. Right. But Here's what happens. You do not translate that will to someone who does not know you or your situation. So you are telling a story to someone and they have absolutely no idea where this story started, where it ended. You like, hey, I walked in. The patient was mad. I'm like, well, why are you mad? So I figured out why they was mad and I helped them and they wasn't mad anymore. That person who is interviewing you is like, ma'am, what was they mad about? What did you do? How did you do it? Like they need to understand how you get stuff done. And so that is the the key for a star behavioral question. They need to understand how you got this done because the best indicator of someone's behavior is their past behavior. And so that's why interviewers ask behavior related questions because how you handle that conflict more than likely is going to be how you handle conflicts here. So it's unrealistic to say, I've never had a conflict. I get along with everybody no you didn't have a conflict right like that house supervisor didn't called you and said that you had four admissions coming and they'll be here in the next hour and you got four nurses who ain't had a break all day and you need to figure out how to get those four admissions into those beds safely and how to make sure your nurses don't riot on you right and so if you're going for a charge nurse position or if you're going into a position where maybe you you want to be a house supervisor right or I don't know I don't know what kind of roles you guys are passionate about 
but conflict exists everywhere. So conflict was just an example of a star behavioral question, but they're all going to start out with some form of like, tell me about a time. And it's because they want to assess your behavior. So how can you, um, take your experiences. And the most common experiences that they ask about is your conflicts. Tell me about a time where you had conflict, your attendance, right? Tell me about a time where you couldn't show up for something or a time where you were late, um, your deadlines. So tell me about a time where you had a quickly approaching deadline. What did you do? Um, teamwork, you know, tell me about a time where you had to work with a team to get something done. Um, and then your, your prioritization, right? So, um, they want to know how, how do you get stuff done? And remember these questions are not to trip you up, right? It's really about it's really about who you are and how you do things. And so, again, we talked in the last episode about really knowing your value and knowing your worth, right? If you get things done because you constantly put the patient first, you put yourself in their shoes and you want them to have a, a great situation. So when you had a conflict and you walked in and that patient was unhappy, you immediately um, you immediately felt the need to make sure that their needs were addressed. And so the situation was they dinner didn't come on time and they had been waiting and waiting and no one got to them. The task was you had to figure out why their lunch was late, their dinner was late, when was it going to come, and what can you do for the patient in between time. Your action was you called down to dietary to figure out what was going on. You um, you asked the, the patient who they had spoken to so that you can follow up with it, and you asked them if you could get them some graham crackers and milk in between time. And as a result, the patient was happy because short term, you were able to give them something to snack on long term you are able to get them a fresh hot meal and an extra slice of cake right so the result was you solved the problem but we don't tend to still tell stories naturally like that because when you're talking to your nurse friend or when you're talking to, you know, whoever, you're like, man, bed five mad again. They forgot their lunch. And so you think that is how you share the story with it, someone you're interviewing with. And of course, I know you guys are way more professional than that. But that's just an example of how no matter how professional you are, if you're not giving them the correct information, they can't make the correct assessment about you. And so part of interviewing and part of my goal with preparing you guys is that we're showing up with the right information. So um, remember your star behavioral questions, um, review some questions, you know, it all it takes is a, a Google search and you can say, you know, case management interview questions, nursing supervisor interview questions, um, you know, whatever other roles that you guys are applying for, um, just look up those questions, um, Another thing that I have found is that we don't answer questions, and I talked about it a little bit before, but we don't answer questions from the space of the role we're applying to. This particularly happens when we're advancing roles. So if you're doing a lateral movement, it may not be that hard to go from like this nursing unit to that nursing unit. Maybe it's a little bit more volume or a little bit more patient and so patience. And so you'll have to discuss, you know, how you can handle that. But usually our biggest 
challenge is when we are transitioning to another career or not career, you're still nurses, but transitioning to another role because you have to sell someone on something that you've never formally done, right? And so here are two things that I'm going to suggest for you guys. One of them is answer the question if you've genuinely never had to do it before. Answer the question with how you would do it. So if you're interviewing for a manager role and you are currently a charge nurse or you're currently a nurse with an MBA and lots of experience, right? You want to interview to be a nursing manager or MSN, either one. You want to be a nursing manager and they say, how would you, um, what would you do if you had to fire someone? Or give me an example of when you've had to fire someone um, or deliver some disappointing news and, you know, how did you do it? And you're like, man, okay, the doctors deliver the bad news about prognosis. Um, there's nothing really in your nursing scope, or maybe it is, but let's say you don't know, nothing in your nursing scope that would give you some kind of experience to answering that question. Well, what are you going to say? You can't say, well, I don't know how I would hire or fire someone. That's that's going to be your job, so you have to sell them on it. So what you do is you walk them through what you would do, right? And so um, a great answer would be, well, if I was the hiring manager and I had someone who was not performing well, I would first look at, have we coached this person? What kind of resources did we give this person to make sure that they could fulfill their job? I would make sure that I've documented our meetings and um, they've we've documented that they didn't have any questions. We gave them a deadline to improve. We helped them to improve. I did call HR and make sure we were doing everything according to the HR process. Um, if that pay- person didn't meet our performance goals by the set deadline, I I would sit them down and I would talk to them about what our expectations are and where they are at. And I would tell them, unfortunately, you know, we're going to have to let you go. I would still be supportive and be a listening ear to them, um, but I would be firm in our decision. And voila, there you go, you know, and that's just, I've never hired or fired or I've hired, I mean, I've participated in hiring, but I've never fired anyone. But that sounds pretty good to me. Now, if that hiring manager says, well, you forgot to go through risk management or, you know, whatever, you're not going to know this perfect answer. What I'm telling you is you should show up and put yourself in the position that you are aspiring to be in. So again, don't limit yourself by where you're currently at. Um, I have interviewed someone before and they were transitioning from a nurse to a nursing educator. And what I really needed them to do was to put themselves in the position of a nursing educator and how they would deliver um, certain things to our staff and certain things to, you know, the people that we service and how, you know, what that would look like in different circumstances. Maybe you don't have the money. Maybe you don't have resources. Maybe you don't have enough people. Maybe you don't know the knowledge that well. And, um, you know, the response was heavily based on like, I would ask other people, well, I would keep asking other people. And we had to keep, you know, like, what if these people didn't exist? How would you get this done? And so um, the goal is we need to see 
and I say we as in people who are interviewing, we need to see how you get stuff done and if you can do it with all the resources and if you can do it with none of the resources. And so um, don't let that part intimidate you if you are leaning into a new role, a role that you're unfamiliar with, a role that you're going to have tasks that you don't know. Remember that 90% of experience is on the job, right? Like 90% of knowledge and learning is on the job learning. So most of the time, they will not expect you to have done all of these things, right? They just want to know what is your basis for getting it done, now, here's the caveat to that. As minorities, and I always make sure to give you guys that double lens because unfortunately that is the double lens that we live under. So that should be the case. You should be able to learn things on the job. You should be given grace to learn things on the job. Someone should see the potential and the passion in you. They should see that you're qualified and they should be willing to work with you. But dot, 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 we all know the truth. As minorities, we have to show up and we have to, um, I won't say work 10 times harder because I'm no longer subscribing to that methodology, but we have to, our lens that we are viewed under is if we don't meet 100% of the qualifications, we aren't chosen for something that we know our counterparts are barely qualified for at times, right? Not everybody, but there are some who get hired into roles because they are friends of the manager, because they know the CNO, because um, their husband works in this department, and you know, guess what? They don't know what they're doing, but they get a network of women and men or people that support their decisions and teach them how to do things and they end up excelling. And, you know, that can oftentimes leave us a bit bitter. They could leave us a bit resentful. It could leave you discouraged. Um, I know within my journey, I've been discouraged a lot for roles that I knew I was qualified for. I knew that I could lean in and do it. And, you know, no, no one gave me the opportunity for. And if you've had that happen to you, what I can say is, baby, your comeback is going to be so much sweeter and so much greater than your fallback. OK, so keep leaning into these roles. Keep preparing. You know, I, I definitely subscribe to rejection is protection. And I can tell you any role that I have not gotten because I, quote unquote, didn't meet the qualifications or quote unquote, wasn't the best candidate. And then I saw they gave it to someone who was underqualified. What I have learned about those opportunities is it comes out later. That was not for me. And even if you don't see it, even if it's never, you know, if it don't formally come back to you and you see it, just know if you aren't getting the position that you feel like you were really qualified for, you feel like, you know, it was your dream job. It was something in that job that God was protecting you from. And I know it sounds hard to believe, but. I have had it happen and I have looked up and the person in that job is miserable because there is something behind the scenes. There is something in between the lines. It's something that's not being said and it is destroying that person or that position or that company. So, you know, 
please be of good hearts and know that, you know, our job hunts are not in vain. Um, you know, we're not just doing it because it looks good and we're not just complaining because we are minorities and may be treated unfairly at times. Just know your comeback is coming. There is nothing that God has taken from me that he did not return a thousand times. And guess what? That confidence it's the confidence. It's the it's that's the goal of when people tell you no and when people reject you and when they look at you and they judge you based off your skin color or they judge you based off of, you know, something that isn't fair. All of that's doing is building your confidence, right? Because if you look around and you see people in positions and you know they're not qualified, you notice that they're not confident, right? And you're where you're at and you're smiling and your head is high and you've got hope and you're still pushing through. They don't like that. And and I'm going to be clear. They, the they is anyone who's ever doubted you or kept you out of a room or kept you out of a position or kept you from getting the bag that you deserve. The goal is to break you down. It's to send a message that don't you ever try to go for a position like this again. Let this be your last time that you try to get ahead. Right. And so. There are some instances where you may not have been qualified, right? I'm not saying that always is the case. But again, we know in our hearts when it was a role that we would have killed, we would have done so good at it had we been given the opportunity. And you know, the reason you weren't given that opportunity was because of your skin color or, you know, you you weren't put in a position where you were fully supported um, as equally as your counterparts have been. Um, again, this is the reality of being a black nurse and the name of this, you know, the name of us is Black Girl Blue Scrubs. And so we have to be real about some of the things that we go through that um that hold us back and so what I can say is continue to show up continue to prepare continue to be confident the whole basis of this interviewing series is about being confident and so um remember rejection is protection and you know, your time is coming. Everybody has a time. Maybe it's a, maybe that wasn't the track God wanted you on. Maybe there's a different position with your name on it. Maybe he has some more knowledge and expertise to, you know, sow into you. And then when that right company comes, you'll be ready to pour and deliver and they'll be willing to pay. So, um, your star behavioral questions, so quick recap, your star re- behavioral questions is situation, task, action, result. Be able to um, speak about different situations that you have had um, in that format so that whoever you're talking to can clearly understand what the situation was, how did you respond, what was the result. Um, make sure that you guys are looking up questions on Google. Um, I, I mean, honestly, Google is where I get the majority of my questions. Also, um, a good resource is Glassdoor. Glassdoor will share from people specific questions that they were asked. Um, and the only thing that you have to do to get access to that is to also share some things. So all the, it's kind of a community environment, but if you share interview questions that you were asked, you know, in whatever position, they'll allow you access to um, a community area where other people will ask like, hey, I was going for a manager at this company and these were the questions that I was asked. So um definitely 
tap into community. Um, I will be doing a podcast episode on networking. So we will go through all the wonderful benefits of building a network and building a community and building a tribe. Um, But for now, we're going to continue on with interviewing. So um, where did we end off? So we talked about reviewing the questions. We talked about reviewing your resume for any gaps. Um, and then also make sure you know the role. So this is still us talking about review. Review the role. Um, make sure you know what exactly this role is doing and how it functions from a business perspective. As nurses, we are very, very siloed. We look directly into patient care and all of the many different tasks that patient care requires. One of the things that I think that does, though, is it limits our perspective, our overview of how patient care fits into a hospital model or how patient care fits into a company model. So again, if you're just doing a lateral movement from one nursing role to another nursing role, you know, just take it take it as you need it. Lightly highlight your skills and some of the things you've done. Um, and it should be a no brainer why you're the best person for the job or what the role is going to require. But if you're one of my nurses who are leaning into like a role you found on LinkedIn, you read a description and you don't really know what it do, but it excited you. Um, this is where you're going to pull in that information that you asked from the recruiter. Right. And if you didn't get a recruiter interview or if you didn't get to touch base with a recruiter, this is where you are going to make sure you read the role in the description. You understand the company and you can ask this question, too. It's like, hey, I know the dude of this job is to uh, manage a caseload of transplant patients and call them back and make sure they have their medications. How does this fit overall into the company, right? And so as we are nurses and as we are being utilized in other capacities outside of bedside, it's important to understand why our nursing knowledge is important, why this role is important, why they can't get Bob with a business degree to do this job, why they can't get a nurse an aid to do this job, why they can't get a medical assistant or LVN. It's important to know why this role exists, what you are bringing to this role, and how what you are bringing is going to benefit the company, right? And so if you don't know at this point how much a patient costs and how much it costs to um, decline a patient, then you may not understand how hospital works just yet. So we may have to go back to the basics, right? If you don't know why you need patients discharged at 11 and why you can't refuse an emergency room admission, you may not understand how a hospital works, right? Because guess what? When you take too long to get that patient out the door for a discharge, then guess what? It's going to take too long to get that patient up from the emergency room into a room. And guess what? If that emergency room is filled up, guess who can't take any more patients? Keep going. Guess how much it costs to decline a patient in the emergency room? Costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of money to decline a patient in the emergency room. And it all starts with getting that patient that's in a bed out, right? So if that cycle is not one that you have looked at yet, 
It's okay if you're early in your career um, because you're still trying to get the, the technical part of your job down. But if you're one of my nurses that's been in healthcare for four plus years and you don't know how a healthcare system works or why it works, then before you go jumping out of the bedside, really take a look at your value as a nurse and understanding how that fits into the bigger picture because wherever you go they're going to make money off you as a nurse right so whether you're following up with transplant patients understand that your follow-up is keeping them from going back into the hospital and keeping them from going back into the hospital it's what's stopping the hospital from getting reimbursed because you can't get reimbursed if the hospital if the patient's been discharged in the last 30 days and they come back for the same thing right so understand the system because once you understand the system you'll understand your value so yes this may just be a quote-unquote case management or patient navigator or whatever you're thinking of but guess what you're saving somebody money that's why they're going to pay you they're paying you to save them money anything in healthcare is to save someone else some money now we get the joy of interfacing with the patient. We get the joy of educating them. We get the joy of not seeing them sick again, right? And that's that's our calling. But that ain't that may not be the person over you's calling. That may not be the company's calling. They it may say it's the company's calling, but it's your job to really um really see through the blinds, you know? So, um it, again, it wasn't taking any shots if you didn't know how the hospital worked or what things cost, because we, we just aren't privy to that information on a day to day basis. But definitely do your research. Um, I will try to do better at dropping more books and, and links to learn about these things. But um, just it's so important that we know our value and you research and you understand. So um, understand the role, understand what makes you qualify for the role. Um, you know, for me, mine is education. I've worked with, um, different groups of people, particularly new nurses, particularly nurses who are transitioning careers. So that's my, that's my umph. I've also transitioned careers. I've also transitioned into different areas and different lanes. I've been in entrepreneurship. I've been in nursing education and I've been at the bedside. So, you know, if you're fluid in any of those areas, I can kind of help out. And and so any company or anything that I show up to, that's going to be my expertise. Um, so know what makes you qualify, right? And again, God qualifies us all, but you gonna know for sure what's gonna qualify you at this company because you're gonna at the end you're gonna ask for a salary, aren't you? And that salary is gonna be based on how qualified you are for the role. So if you don't know why you're qualified for this role, if you don't know how much money they make off of you, and you go in and you ask for sixty thousand dollars, but you save them two hundred and fifty thousand dollars when a patient don't go back in um and you may not know those specific numbers but just in general you lowballed yourself you know so um know what makes you qualify understand your company and how they make money um you may not be able to openly ask in an interview like okay so how do y'all make money right but go on the site take a look at you know what is a patient care navigator what is a case manager what is a calf lab aria you know whatever the role is understand how it filters into the company um let's see let's see 
So review your resume, review questions to ask, and review your role. I think I'm going to wrap it up for part two, which is review. I hope it's been um, really beneficial. The only other part I had was rehearse. Um, I think I'm going to put that in a part three. I am. Um, Because I think this was a lot of knowledge and a lot of information. Um, So definitely, definitely hope it helped. Um, Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I'll see you guys in part three.